welcome to The Change Show, where we dive into conversations that illuminate the journey of those who have not just faced challenges, but embraced it and used it to their benefit. I am Sabrina Sabo. And I'm Frank. Today, we have the privilege of hosting Ronnie Sasaki, whose story perfectly embodies the core principles of our coaching approach, resilience, self-love, and the pursuit of dreams against all odds. Welcome, Ronnie. Hi there. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. So inspiring uh, to hear your story, to, to read about it. And also when we were in our class at Western Seminary, the coach approach to ministry leadership, we were so impressed of how, um, how you deal with all the things that you have to deal with. And uh, there's always a smile on your face. You're always so approachable. So thank you again and welcome. Yeah, well, coaching has been such a big part of my life from athletics to business to just personal growth that I love to be able to share that with others and encourage others about coaching. That's great, Rania. Could you talk about uh, some of the emotional challenges you faced during your journey of self-acceptance and pursuing your dream of becoming an Olympic athlete? Yeah, well, I was born with only one leg. And so as a kid, I was the different one. I was the one that got stared at, sometimes made fun of, and I had this desire to fit in. I always wanted to be like the other kids, wanted to be able to do everything that they could do. And so from a very early age, I was always trying to prove myself, prove that I could do something that a kid with two legs could do. And I think because of this, somehow I felt like I never quite measured up, never quite fit in was always going to be um, less than all the others. And as I grew, that kind of drove me to this um, extreme sense of perfectionism where I felt like I had to be perfect in every way. Otherwise, I was not good enough. And even now, I'm 59 years old. You think I would grow out of some of this after a while, but I still deal with uh, many issues of feeling like I'm just not quite good enough. So this is something that I have really, really worked on throughout my entire life, overcoming that. Well, thank you for sharing that because um, I can totally relate with that. Um, it's completely different not um, having one leg than, you know, having an accent, but I feel that I stand out when I, I, when I talk. People usually ask, where do I come from? Or you have an accent or are you from France? So something like that. By the way, I'm from Brazil. And uh, I always wanted to blend in. I always wanted to get rid of my accent. I would not even mention I was born in Brazil, which is just so wrong to deny my roots. But I, it was just that need to, to belong, to feel accepted, and to, to actually fit in. I, I loved when you said that. And I think Frank, too, has some experiences about that. Right, Frank? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting how, you know, we don't have the experience of what you had to go through, you know, being born with one leg. I mean, I was born with two legs and yet I still always felt, you know, standing out and um, despite all achievements and, and results, um, I always thought that I, something was missing, you know, it was, it was a really unfulfilled, you know, in terms of, um, okay, what, what else can I produce? And, when is it going to be satisfying to me and to others and the people that you know I care about and the people that care about me? 
Yeah, I think it's so funny. It's almost a contradiction. We say we want to fit in, and then and then we say, well, I'm a perfectionist, or I, I'm an achiever. And the very act of being an achiever sets us apart from everybody else. So there's where the contradiction kind of sets in for me. I think those things that we don't like about ourselves, at least initially, perhaps it's your accent or my leg or something, those are the things that really make us unique and help us be set apart, help us be remembered and oftentimes help drive us toward, you know, what we do achieve in life. Yeah. And, and I think it's also our approach, you know, to these setbacks. Like, what do we do to overcome that? Like, what do we do to paint a different picture, you know, that can help us to embrace our imperfection, you know, so to speak? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then um, Ronnie has a good example of that. Um, you won the gold medal at the Paralympics. Uh, can, can you tell us a little more about that moment? Yeah. Well, the first thing that really changed for me was learning to see my leg as a gift instead of a curse. So there came a point in my, my life as a teenager where I was feeling sorry for myself all the time, but I truly began to realize the blessing that having one leg was, that God wasn't cursing me when I was formed in the womb with only one leg, but he was giving me this gift. And that mind shift alone literally transformed transformed everything in my life. And pretty soon, shortly after that, I had the opportunity to learn how to ski. And I I actually became good at it. It was something I could be good at. It was a sport. I'd tried so many sports before that I never measured up against a two-legged person. But all of a sudden in the ski racing world on one leg, I was competing against other people who only had one leg as well. And there was a, an entire league or um, hierarchy, if you will, in the the world of disabled skiing, people with no legs, there were people with no arms, there were blind skiers, lots of one-legged skiers like myself. And there was even a U.S. disabled ski team, which is now called the U.S. Paralympic Ski Team or the Adaptive Ski Team. So there was opportunities to race and to rise up in the ranks and compete throughout the world. And something I never would have imagined, certainly never an opportunity I would have had had I been born with two legs. And um, I eventually made the U.S. team, gave up, uh, moved to Colorado, joined a training program with disabled coaches and other disabled skiers, dedicated years of my life to training and um, reaching this level. When I got to the Paralympics in 1992, I know a long time ago, I was, it was like the, the ultimate goal. Something I'd always wanted to do was to be an Olympic athlete. Seemed impossible. And there I was, and in the first race, I fell. So here I had finally reached this pinnacle, and I blew it right off the start. <laughs> Did not finish the first race. So I was disappointed, but I came back the second race, and that was the, the race where I ended up winning my gold medal. Oh, that's so good. Wow. I, I always find it so impressive and so encouraging to, to see how God can use us, you know, not despite of us, but in spite of you know it's just uh, amazing and, and i'm i'm just so impressed you know thinking about skiing with one leg i mean um i can't even ski with two and and i remember that <laughs> i hear that a lot the reason why <laughs> the reason why i started snowboarding was the fact that i only need to control one board instead of you know two skis um so yeah so you you just blow me away <laughs> yeah i remember like the 
athletes that you work with, Frank, and how many hours they put in into work so hard and to achieve their dreams. And I remember the disappointment in their faces when, you know, something happened, like they fell or the team didn't qualify. And um, there was a lot of pressure and there was a lot of uh, expectations that weren't met. And um, I wonder if they had put, if you, Frank, actually had put that approach of uh, giving to God and um, how would that be? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had, but um, I used to tell my athletes that, you know, it was never a pressure, but a privilege to compete, you know, for their own country, for their own province or state, wherever they were from. And I remember uh, a quote from Vince Lombardi, a famous football coach, who said that the greatest accomplishment is not in never falling, but in rising again after you fall. And Ronnie, you represented that with your story, like flawlessly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I always like to, to say that I'm an expert at falling. But I think more importantly, yeah. it's becoming <laughs> an expert at getting back up. I think that's where the expertise really rises up. And I, I will say this, that you know, being an athlete and involved in sports, it seems that so often our self-worth is wrapped up in how we perform on any given day. So if I do really well, then all of a sudden I have great self-worth. And if I do poorly, then all of a sudden I'm nothing. And, you know, as I said, I, I believe that God gave me the gift of having one leg. And I believe that transfers into the gift of skiing and being able to compete. And I always wanted to give him the glory in everything that I do. But I found on that first race, the one where I fell, I got, I just got off track mentally and I began to feel that pressure and feel like, oh my goodness, now I have to perform because here I am. And I got all wrapped up that I was doing it for me. And, mm. and I forgot that I was skiing for God's glory. And I'm not going to say that's why I fell, but I, I, I do think I went into that race with the wrong mindset. The second race, there was the sense of surrender. That whether I fell or whether I, I skied well, I wanted to do everything on that day for God's glory and not make it about me. That my self-worth wasn't dependent upon the outcome of that race. It was who I am in Christ. And, you know, surprisingly, not a guarantee, but surprisingly, I ended up winning the gold medal on that day. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I want to say to every athlete and everyone that is like working so hard to achieve something, to you know, they attach their uh, their self-worth uh, to results, that there is a God that loves you so much that doesn't ask you to work anything for him to come and love you and care for you. He actually sent his son to come. Uh, it's a beautiful story of a God that comes down to us and we don't have to work our way up to God. So, Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. It's also a, a really, really good reminder that our self-worth, you know, does not lie in our results. It doesn't define us who we are or who we, you know, could be. It's just simply a result and nothing more. Mm -hmm. And whether you're first or last, if you give it your all, um, God will love you no matter what. And you will always be able to walk away with your head held high and knowing that you've done everything that you could possibly do. So thank you for that again. Um, yeah. Ronnie, I'm, I'm curious that after your athletic career, transitioning to become the owner of EnviroMet is, is, is impressive. Uh, oh. How did you experience um, in sports and life um, 
you know, the, the changes that have shaped your approach to business? And did you ever seek any coaching support during this transition? Yeah, well, I've, I've had coaching support throughout my entire life. It seems like I had coaching, obviously, as a ski racer on the hill and then as a business owner, coaching throughout many different times throughout my, my business career. There's so many um, overlaps from ski racing to owning and managing a small business. It's it's funny, but there's just a couple things that stand out. Um, for me, when I was racing, I showed up for training every day. And it's hard when you're skiing because some days the weather is not so enjoyable. <laughs> you go outside and it's really stormy, really cold, and you know that you're going to be out there freezing all day to train. Well, it's the same thing in business. There's some days showing up is just challenging, showing up to work and, and managing that business. There's um, things that come our way that are difficult and, and not fun. And yet showing up every day, being persistent and consistent, I think is really important in the success of any business. So that's one overlap. And the other thing that I was thinking of that's um, been really apl applicable to my business career is every race that I ever won, including the one at the Paralympics, while I was in the race course, I felt somewhat out of control. Like at any moment I could possibly blow out of the race because I was just hanging on by a thread. The races where I felt like I was in complete control and like my line was perfect and everything was great, I would be so slow. I would not even be in the running. So there's this whole idea that I think when you're in business, you sort of have to hang on that edge of control all of the time. Like I don't have to be in control of everything. Sometimes I get to release that control and just hang on. <laughs> That makes any sense at all. Yeah, it's it's almost like we need to be out of our comfort zone in order to reach different heights. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's where and coaching right. has helped <laughs> so much, <laughs> pushing us to that point. Yeah, I mean, knowing that you don't have to do it alone and that you can always have someone that you can rely on and, and turn to, I think that's huge. Yeah, and in ski racing, you know, when you're out skiing, you can't see your body. So a coach will come along and say, well, you know, your body position is this, or you need to put your arm here or lean your hip here or whatever the case may be. And I think in business, it's the same way with a coach. Sometimes we don't see things that somebody on the outside looking in is able to see and suggest to us that, you know, try this a little bit differently, make this, you know, maybe a very minor shift, but it can make a big difference in the outcome. Right. Yeah, and it, you've been inspiring athletes and people, audiences for years now. Um, you've been sharing a story and impacting others. Um, do you see how, like, after taking the class with us and having experienced coaching in your life, do you see how um, having a coach could amplify the positive influence that you have on the people that you talk to every day? Yeah, I think so, because coaching is really about me taking responsibility for my own self. And I think for another person who has a coach, it's about taking responsibility for their, their self. And, 
And of course, as Christians, obviously we believe too that it's not all about me, that everything that I that I do and who I am is is through Christ. So that is an added dimension as well. And but nonetheless, the, the coaching is all about, I don't even know how to say this. It's it's moving beyond what we think necessarily we are capable of and going to that next step. Frank says getting out of our comfort zone, and that certainly is one way of putting it. But I think that God has bigger plans for all of us than we are that, that we think we're capable of. And having a coach oftentimes will push us to that next step. And let's say if I want to minister to people, if I can minister to 100 people, uh, maybe God has something more for me. Maybe he wants me to minister to 200 people. And a coach can oftentimes show me that and point me in that direction. But ultimately, it comes down to me being willing to be used by God and to move in that direction. Oh, yeah, that's, that that's perfect. That. Yeah, I, I always felt that um, whether if it's in a sporting environment or in or in life coaching, a coach has or should have the ability to ask the questions I didn't want to ask myself. <laughs> and, you know, putting myself in a position of having to think outside of the box and, 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 and see what I can do with that information now that I'm being accountable for it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. we all have blinders. We all have areas of our lives that we simply just don't see. And a coach is oftentimes able to see that and point them out to us in a way that is very powerful. Sometimes when we live with ourselves, we don't see the progress. It's like um, when a child grows and you haven't seen them for years and all of a sudden you see them and they're tall. It's like, wow, you've, you're so tall. But when you're with that person day by day, you don't notice the changes. And so a coach can help point out the progress that we're making that we may not see. And sometimes we get discouraged because we don't see the progress happening fast enough. But a coach is seeing that and saying, hey, this is a celebration. This is something to take notice of and see how far you've come. And I love that about working with somebody else, that it's not just about, you know, slapping your hand if you don't achieve. It's about celebrating the, the successes along the way. Yeah. Yeah. You know that, you know, that saying that, you know, the hair that broke the camel's back, um, it, it works both ways, right? Negative and positive. Like I, I read a very good um, quote the other day is that how I became an overnight success in 20 years. <laughs> and so basically either way you go on the scale, you know, towards positive or towards negative, the little bits that you do towards either direction is going to determine the course, you know, of your growth or of your decay. And therefore it's important that we, you know, if you want to be positive about your life, that you celebrate those little successes because those are the little details that will make the difference one day. You just have to keep keep plowing and keep going after it one step at a time, little by little, or at least that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and I think a coach can definitely accelerate the whole process um, because oftentimes oh, we talk absolutely. ourselves, we come up with a great idea and within a few minutes talk ourselves out of it. And, you know, coach yeah. can, coach can continue to push that idea forward and help us with that. Because I feel like they can give us the confidence that we, we, we don't have, you know, or that we don't see as you were talking about, you know, like us not noticing the differences, the little differences that we go through life. 
um, I was thinking about, okay, do we not notice it or we don't want to notice it because we're just being dragged down by our, you know, dreams or um, thinking of, you know, so little of ourselves. It's a very interesting topic. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, code. Um, I think it goes like that, that in terms of real estate, a cemetery should be the most expensive piece of land in the world because all the dreams and all the good ideas that never were fulfilled are buried there. Uh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there's, it's kind of nuanced because I think oftentimes we have a dream and we think it's not possible. Just like my dream of being an Olympic athlete did not seem possible. And yet it, it came about. And I think oftentimes God plants those dreams within us because he's got this really great plan and this, this great um, purpose. And so we get this idea in our, inside of us. And, and I think that sometimes it can be very much God-given. And, and then it comes about. And sometimes it looks completely different than we thought it might. And yet it, it comes about in a way that is, I'll say, better, <laughs> better than we could have imagined. And, right. and that's one thing that I think is just so, so cool, <laughs> so cool about God, if I can say that, that, yeah. you know, he puts this dream inside of us and then fulfills it in a way that we never even imagined was possible. And that's why we, we shouldn't be afraid of change. In fact, we should embrace it because of the very fact that we don't know what greatness could come of it. Yeah, exactly. Like I started seminary at age 57 and felt truly led to do such a thing and um, don't fully know why yet, really. So it's mm -hmm. exciting to, to be open and aware of opportunities that the Lord brings around and, and see what's in store. Well, we can relate to that too. Like we have friends that they all asking like, what's next? What's next? And then we are like, well, <laughs> we know what we are doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And we know that God has a plan for us. Um, but we are very open to see where he's going to take us and uh, where he's going to lead us. But we were talking about achieving dreams and uh, dreams that are like seeing that we would not happen and then end up happening. But there are sometimes also dreams that we couldn't fulfill and uh, we, we now have to readapt and comes resilience and uh, self-worth and all those kind of things in play. And um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on that because sometimes um, we have people that dreamt uh, beautiful dreams and they tried to pursue, they had good coaches, but it was just not the time. And then they get discouraged and they they don't want to try something else. But I think that there's always a beauty in that journey towards a dream. And that everything can be used, like redeemed. Um, do you have any experience like that? I was thinking about something that my mother told me. And she said that the, the most fun is this process of achieving a goal. Because once we actually get there, oftentimes we move on to something else and we forget about that particular goal. And so I think this whole journey, even if we don't necessarily achieve what we thought we should, it's the, the, the joy sometimes comes in the process. The growth is in the process. And I think that God uses these times in our lives to really build character 
and to teach us lessons about so many different things, oftentimes more than we may have learned had we just, you know, risen up to that pinnacle that we sought after so deeply. Yeah, that's really good. Wow. And, you know, you've been giving uh, already so many advices, but is there one advice that you could give or maybe some to aspiring athletes facing situations like that? They, they feel that um, maybe uh, they are just close to giving up or starting their career right now. Um, is there anything that you could share with them that you we already haven't? Yeah, or even to athletes that are on the verge of achieving what they've been working for so long in their life and and like what is that one thing that you could give them to help them you know to keep them and um motivated you know like just like because oftentimes you know when we come to that very very um the final stages of our preparation is when we face the the biggest obstacles so what is that that you could just tell them to help them through this obstacle yeah, I think what you just said is that oftentimes as we come to the, the end of things that we face the biggest opposition, being aware of that, knowing that there's going to be things coming at me there right now that are going to be bigger challenges than perhaps I've ever faced and being willing to power through them, being willing to just keep showing up anyway, um, even when the storm is really bad and it's cold and you don't want to go outside to train or do whatever the case may be, but to continue to to show up. I think that's really really critical. And then the, we've talked about it quite a bit already, but knowing that my self-worth is not wrapped up in how I perform in any given day is absolutely critical. Somehow having a, a higher power, you know, for me, it's, it's God, Jesus Christ, who I am working for giving him glory, not me glory. And that my self-worth lies in my faith in God. It, it, lies in being a child of God. And that is really important, particularly as we face either challenges in athletics or we're, you know, rising to the top. Either one, I think, is equally important to realize that um, my worth does not lie in this outcome. And I know um, I'm being repetitive, but for me, because I'm a type A high achiever person, I feel that my relationship with God started when I realized that I, I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do anything to earn his love, that all that I needed to do was just to believe, believe that he loves me, believe that he sent his son to die on the cross for me, for my sins, and that I don't have to earn anything. It was such a relief because um, it feels like everything in my life I have to earn, I have to work, I have to do. And this is one thing that I don't have to, and it's the most important thing. Um, so, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, just one more question. <laughs> so we were talking about, um, you know, inspiring athletes, but you also a businesswoman, and uh, there's a lot of women out there that want to enter into ministry or start their own business. Um, there's a lot of uh, stay-at-home mom that wants to have a side hustle, and they are just, you know, afraid of starting. Um, would you share some wisdom with them, please? <laughs> oh, boy, that's a good question. I think if it's putting on some thick skin. If <laughs> I don't know if that's very good advice for this podcast. <laughs> putting on thick skin. 
<laughs> and being bold and willing to put ourselves out there. I think opening a business is is challenging and oftentimes those success stories that we do see, you think like you said, in 20 years and all of a sudden overnight is a success. Is it's a lot of knocking on doors, making phone calls, putting ourselves out there so that um, people will come to us, whatever the business may be. Um, I know for my company, I thought if I had to do sales, I would never have started my own company. And yet I've had to do sales continuously in one form or another ever since I started the business. Otherwise, it never would have survived. So we get to put ourselves out there and and take that risk and send the email, make the phone call asking do you want to buy from me? Do you want to hire me? Do you want me to speak at your event? Whatever it is, being willing to make that call, being bold, and then if also being willing to accept that rejection and move on to the next one. And that's where the thick skin comes in because it oftentimes is not easy and we just have to be tough enough to continue to pursue through that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I remember when I got my first job in Canada, I was a call center and I had to make cold calls to sell telephone numbers uh, to people that like landlines, actually, to people that didn't want any more, like they just <laughs> want cell phones. And uh, one good advice that I got was that you already have the no, you're going for the yes. Right. And every call that I would go for and it was like, OK, this could be the yes. You know, this could be the yes. Like if I do nothing, I have a no. So why not try? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's all about sales. But for me, it's been such a big part of my business is is that whole process and, and taking that risk of of making that connection and the contact. I also believe that business is all about people and the relationships that we create along the way are absolutely essential and probably more important than the, the business that we do along the way is creating those relationships. That's true. Yeah. Very much like coaching. I find, you know, that it's all relational. It's all about the connections that we make with people so they can feel safe and secure, you know, in the space that we provide to them. So they can explore their own self. Yeah. Um, Whether you're selling a product or a service, because I mean, I'm an industrial, my business sells industrial supplies to other businesses. So you think that the relationships are not nearly as critical in that, that arena. And yet they still are probably the most important thing. Yeah. And the, the only thing I wanted to add was um, when you talked about um, putting on a thick skin, you know, it just reminded me of, you know, like if you pray for rain, you know, you, you got to deal with the mud too. Uh, meaning that, you know, if we're in a position of, you know, entrepreneurship where we want to do something different or come up with a new product, you know, we, we have to be willing to get our hands dirty in the sense that, uh, you know, it will require some work and whatever that comes with it, you know, we have to put up with it. Yeah. And I think for all the young professionals starting life right now, like professional life right now, it's uh, a good advice. Uh, like we see the instant gratification, right? Like you put things in microwave in two seconds, 10 seconds, they are ready. Um, a lifetime of business, uh, it's, you don't do it in two minutes, uh, in two seconds, right? Uh, a lasting good relationship doesn't go in two seconds, two minutes, 10 seconds, right? Like you have to work for, you have to 
get your hands dirty. Sometimes you're gonna get a no. Sometimes it's gonna hurt. Sometimes it's gonna be, you know, in bad weather that you have to work out. Um, but if you continue working towards your goal, um, you're gonna get there. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much, Ronnie, for being here with us. It, it, I had a blast. How about you, Frank? Oh, it was it was absolutely fantastic, and I just love your examples, Ronnie, and and I love um, everything that you were able to bring to the table and into this conversation, based on your experience, um, based on your achievements, and um, I'm just so excited to see that it's not nearly over yet. Yeah, so hopefully I can't not. Wait to see what. Yeah, yeah, I just can't wait to see what, what is next. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. This has been fun. If you're hearing this message, you will listen to our new episode all the way to the end. And for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. To wrap up, whether the change involves abandoning a bad habit, developing a new skill, or making a big move, it will require effort, resilience, planning, and support. Personalized and focused coaching can prepare you to get clear on your direction, to unpack personal barriers, identify what's unique about you, it will help you to step into your strengths, to face your challenges, and live a fulfilling life. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We hope you found our podcast informative, empowering, and encouraging as well. Please rate, review, and subscribe to or follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions about the things we cover in this show or would like to book a discovery coaching session with us, please visit our website at www.change.com. This is Sabrina. I'm Frank. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.